It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Do we really ever need an excuse to talk BYU and Utah and the Holy War rivalry? Not really. Let's do a crossover edition of Locked On Utes and Locked On Cougars and talk about strength of schedule, the rivalry game, and even some EA NCAA football. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and thank you for making Locked On Utes and Locked On Cougars your first listen every single day. We are available on all platforms, including YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. If this is your first time listening to our show, make sure you like and subscribe. We love interacting with all of you in the YouTube comments, as well as on social media, where you can follow our shows at Locked On Utes and Locked On Cougars. My name is JT Wistersill, former intern inside the University of Utah Athletic Department. Excited to be joined on today's episode by Jake Tash of Locked On Cougars. In today's episode, our crossover episode that is is brought to you by our great friends at FanDuel. You can make every moment more. New customers can join today and you'll get $150 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Jake, we did one of these episodes a few weeks back talking about what we were expecting out of the schedule and especially where we wanted to see the BYU-Utah game. I thought there was some value in maybe trying to place it in another week just to make it the headline, but I always thought that maybe be more of an October kind of thing. I thought if it was going to be in November, it would, of course, be on rivalry weekend, and that was not the case, and I was really surprised. I mean, Utah going to UCF, it just it feels weird, and to me it does feel like a missed opportunity that this – rivalry which i think has the potential to be a great one in all of college football and we know how good it is but the national audience i feel like doesn't and i feel like this was a miss having it in early november yeah, see, I agree with you on the fact that I just don't like the placement of it. Uh, now, I will acknowledge that the way that they have set this up, where both teams will have a bye week ahead of that game, mm-hmm. is going to allow for some extra attention to come to that contest. Yes, in my opinion, it absolutely should have been on rivalry weekend. Uh, it feels like, in many respects, that the Big 12, Brett Yormark, and whoever else had a say in this, the schedule makers, uh, as, as I'll term them, uh, it seems like they overthought this. They're trying to stratify uh, rivalries, maybe pushing them a little bit earlier on in the season trying to garner some extra interest that way but November 9th it's just it, it feels clunky in a way because as some people have pointed out and I've pointed out myself there's other another big game that weekend in the SEC and it's Alabama and LSU now it doesn't have the same cachet that it once had when you had Nick Saban taking on Les Miles uh, back in the day but still those are two big Leviathan type uh, programs and they're going to take the lion's share of the attention so yes I, I get the thought process from the Big 12 but it feels like they overthought the room and thought that, hey, we're a little smarter than everybody else. Definitely, and that will have massive playoff implications on the line. I would love if Utah BYU will. The odds of that, like just at this point earlier in the season, are not fantastic when you're talking about the top 12 teams. That's what will be interesting to kind of see how both teams' seasons end up playing 
out. But as it relates to this game too, I think the thing that I find disappointing is at least if you're going to throw a game that for Utah at the end of the season, that's not BYU. This is when I would finally rather it be Colorado, right? Like I would have loved to seen coach Prime in the final week. Like this has been the rivalry, the final week that the Pac-12 had tried to establish. Like why not try to keep it going? And once again, they didn't select that one here. I know you're not taking all the eyeballs away from the big rivalry games that weekend, but that's where you could have at least played it on Friday. I just, I even feel like from a Utah perspective, I would have liked to see more of a marquee game in that standpoint. Do you feel the same way about BYU Houston? Hey, come on. Don't be complaining about your trip to Disney World on Thanksgiving weekend here, JT. Come on. No, That's true. That's no, true. Okay, here's the thing. You're right. Because uh, BYU and Houston, uh, Utah and yeah. UCF, it just doesn't have the cachet to end the season that you would like it to have. Now, uh, there is a lot of expectation that Utah is going to make a run at the Big 12 Championship. So, uh, in some ways, if that actually comes to fruition, and I have no reason to think it, it can't come to fruition at this point, uh, having UCF in that final weekend, it's a little bit of a tune-up. You're going on the road, and you do have a long you have a long trip obviously to go all the way to Orlando come back to Salt Lake City and then potentially travel right back to Arlington Texas uh, for the Big 12 championship game so that is a concern in and of itself especially uh with the, the short week there's so many dynamics at this but yes the overall cachet of those two regular season finales the Cougars versus the Cougars yeehaw because I think both of those teams are going to be uh, simply scrounging on no offense to BYU but it feels like they'll be uh, working towards a six and six record maybe that's going to be the game that determines which one of those two teams speaking of Houston and BYU goes bowling and the other one stays home meanwhile uh, what does UCF got does Gus Malzahn have them rolling Uh, does Utah have their run towards the Big 12 championship on there are there are stakes they're going to exist for that for those two games but it just doesn't feel like the same type of level of opponent you would like to have on paper it's definitely not. I mean, as we both said, like, it's just hard to get excited about the final week where, you know, and I understand the game, Ohio State and Michigan, the Iron Bowl is sure. may hopefully getting a little, I mean, last year the Iron Bowl was incredible, right? It was an unreal game. So that's where if we can continue to get games like that, that'll be another one that draws more eyeballs. And I understand you don't want to get those exactly, but whether it's some of those, like these, literally Utah, these games for, like Utah plays on Friday, November 29th, BYU, they play on Saturday, November 30th. But like there was an opportunity to move this to a Friday. Friday, get it kind of started early. I think there was potential there as well. And then I think the question now comes, Jake, is like, if, like we said, Alabama, LSU, because that should be two teams with playoff implications, if that just destroys the ratings, which it probably will like that, is would that then be reason for in next year's schedule release for the Commissioner Yormark, excuse me, moves his moves the schedule, rearranges it so that Utah BYU could be the final week. Do you feel like we're eventually going to get Utah BYU in the final week? Or do you think they would just kind of keep moving it and trying to figure it out and try to get one of the weeks that's non-rivalry weekend when the obviously all the eyes are on the two biggest games in college football the entire season in some ways? I think the biggest thing will be what the the overall eyeballs on that game end up being. Now, if November 9th it becomes a ratings bonanza and there's like uh, millions of people watching that game between BYU and Utah, I don't think there's any reason why it won't. But if the if the numbers justify them not uh, having it on rivalry weekend, where as you mentioned, you have to you're avoiding the big game, you're avoiding Auburn, Alabama, you're avoiding some of those big rivalry matchups, they're going to draw eyeballs away. Uh, that I think would cause the Big 12 to say, you know what, we're okay w- with moving it around and keeping it in another part of the schedule but if it does flop that's the thing about this I, I think there's there's some thought that we're gonna, they're going to try this out and 
uh, if it works out, great. But I I think that the overall tenor and the tone and the overall uh, angst that exists with the Holy War rivalry between BYU and Utah, it's going to come to the forefront. And I think that the Big 12 and Commissioner Yormark and whoever else, like I said, uh, has a role in this with regards to putting the schedule together is going to quickly realize, hold on, this is one of, if not the preeminent rivalry in our conference. We need to highlight it better. We need to have it in a more prime slot. And yeah, uh, the big other games on rivalry weekend be damned. We're putting it on that weekend. I, I absolutely agree. I think you will still draw a lot of fans. And the one thing that especially, I know it's the game and I know it's the iron bowl, but like if those are blowouts, sure. people will go towards the closer game like that, which yes, I already said, I think that it's not going to have a huge playoff implications this year because of Utah. I just expect Utah to be better than BYU this year, but I mean, it's a rivalry game. So it should still be an entertaining game. And I especially think in years going forward as BYU continues that trend upwards, I, that's where I think this game could become electric. And I think that it, Definitely should be one of the premier rivalries, the conference highlights on rivalry weekend, because yes, once again, they will, viewers will start with the game with the iron bowl, but there, I remember a couple years ago, not many people were watching the end of the iron bowl because there have been some blowouts mm-hmm. in that rivalry like that. Yeah. And that is where Utah BYU to me could be a potential where people turn to Jake. Well, and one other thing I, I will point out on this is with all of the conference realignment going on, uh, the rivalry weekend has been weakened. And what I mean by that is you no longer have like, uh, it's, I, I call it the platypus game up there in Oregon between Oregon and Oregon State. That's being moved up to earlier in the season because they're not in the same conference anymore. The Apple Cup, the same thing. Some of these bigger yeah. rivalries that existed regionally that would have essentially taken a slot in that evening window that BYU and Utah time theory could settle into on rivalry weekend don't exist anymore so that that's the interesting part as i'm going to watch this this year as you mentioned it's it's a game that you and i both will watch with very uh, keen interest because we host shows uh, that uh, cover these two teams but i i am interested to see what the overall reaction is nationwide and that the big 12 says hey you know what maybe we made a mistake in putting it earlier on in the season and we do move it back into that slot because if you could get that game let's say it's a it's on thanksgiving weekend uh you have Michigan, Ohio State to kick off the day, obviously at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. That's locally here in Utah. It's noon Eastern. And then you have Auburn, Alabama in the Iron Bowl at like 1.30. And then you could essentially that 5 o'clock slot, put BYU and Utah right there, put it on ESPN, and that'd be a nice triple header of big-time rivalry games. And then you maybe find a, a nightcap in the in, in the in here on the West Coast, whether it's the Territorial Cup with Arizona, Arizona State. I, I think it would set up nicely that way, but uh, this is uh, two podcast hosts who have really no uh, control in the matter uh, prognosticating on what the future is going to hold. Hey, maybe we've had some takes before on this and I actually at the very end of the show, I didn't tell you about this before the show, I actually want to pull up an old take that you had about something that you nailed a year ago. I I don't know if you know what I'm talking about so we'll be interested to see what I pull that out later on this. But yes, hopefully we can speak it into existence and both play this clip and say that we're correct. But until we get to that point, we'll have to cross our fingers and deal with the schedule as it is. And speaking of both school schedules being as they are, want to talk about who has the better or easier schedule coming up this coming season between Utah and BYU. But before we dive into that, I want to talk to you about the sponsor of today's episode of Locked on Utes and Locked on Cougars. It's our friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning 
$5 bet. That's 150 bucks if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. This is FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. And yes, All-Star Weekend is officially here now as it's Friday morning. And I know some of you might be like, man, I have to wait till the NBA games pick up to resume betting action. But Jake, that is not the case. No, we've got All-Star Weekend betting odds for all of you out there that want to have some fun this weekend. You can bet on the Rising Stars Challenge, the three-point shootout. They got all the options available to you guys. I'm just looking at this right now. Uh, Damian Lillard is the favorite for the three-point contest. Uh, He has uh, got some pretty good odds there. Uh, Hometown star Tyrese Halliburton is second best odds. And But if you're a Utah Jazz fan, and a lot of our listeners are because they're based here in Utah with Utah and BYU, Lowry Markinen at the bottom with plus 800 currently uh, as of recording this podcast with his odds for the three-point shootout. Uh, he, Lowry's been a little bit uh, suspect with his three-point shooting in games recently, but that's some pretty good odds. So if you want to take advantage of any of that, they've got it all for you. Once again, you have the Rising Stars Challenge odds out there. you got Sabrina Ionescu versus Steph Curry in their own three-point shootout, so it's all available to you from FanDuel. Hey, really quick, where is Carl Anthony Towns at on that? Carl Anthony Towns, let's take a look here. He has got uh, plus 700 odds, so he's got the fifth-best odds in the three-point shootout. He won it last year. Not that I'm a Timberwolves fan who can finally be proud of my team, but that is a conversation for another pot another day. I just can be happy about it for once in my life. Make sure you guys head over to FanDuel today. Also want to talk to you all about another sponsor of our episode of Locked on Utes and Locked on Cougars. It's our friends at UCCU. Learn and earn the UCCU mobile banking app that pays your entire family to learn about money. Kids look to parents to become more financially literate. Parents don't always know the answers. Learn and earn breaks down financial topics into fun, bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia. Every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points that can occur and can be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and more. There is age-appropriate content for every member of the family who can compete against each other and track their progress on leaderboards. Learn and Earn is inside the UCCU mobile banking app, so play at any time, anywhere. The more you play, the more you learn. And the more you learn, the more you earn. Learn and Earn, part of UCCU's award-winning Be Money Smart Youth Banking Program, helping kids, teens, and parents have fun while becoming more financially literate together. UCCU, love where you bank. Jake, with the release of these two schedules, now we can compare these two teams that call Utah home, the rivalry that exists, and both of them entering, well, BYU entering year two, Utah entering year one of Big 12 play. As for the question of who has the easier schedule, I do agree with most of the lists I've seen. I do think it is Utah because, for me, the difference in the schedules is one of the biggest ones is having to play Kansas State. I think that's going to be a tough game. Utah avoids them. And I do not like the stretch of games that is Arizona, Oklahoma State, UCF, and Utah with the UCF game being on the road. And the UCF game is not as much the concern with that, but, I mean, that could have just listed the three best teams, the Big 12 potentially. I know Arizona took a hit, but they still got some players in Fafita, McMillan. So I think that stretch alone, yes, Utah does Arizona and Oklahoma State back-to-back, but the only other team outside of obviously what the rivalry is between Utah and BYU, but Utah is the one who hosts that, so that's a tougher game Mm -hmm. for BYU too. Maybe with Colorado can be a little fun and frisky, as I've talked about them maybe being just because of Shador Sanders' talents, but that's where I just feel like because that Utah doesn't have a brutal three-game stretch and they miss Kansas State, they have the easier schedule. 
Yeah, I, on, on paper, you look at the strength of schedule, Just uh, you want to go by overall records from 2023. BYU's slate is much tougher. Now, uh, there are some advantages built in for BYU with regards to when you get some of your home road splits, but you mentioned that stretch there. It absolutely is pretty brutal. Arizona, Oklahoma State, UCF, Utah, that's a tough four-game stretch that BYU's going to have to navigate, but uh, this is something that you have to deal with at the Power 5 football level. The schedules are what they are, and you got to uh, play the opponents that are laid out in front of you. The biggest thing... I I'll go on BYU here in a minute. We can dig into Utah's here in just a moment. Is the BYU, I think, went through this past season in the Big 12, has uh, finally kind of experienced what Power 5, or now will be Power 4 football, uh, and knows what it's going to take. And the, the biggest thing for BYU, in my thought, thinking back on 2023, is the Cougars learned a tough lesson that you have to literally show up every single week, buckle up that chin strap, and bring it. If you don't, and BYU, there were a couple of times during that 2023 season where they didn't show up figuratively, and quite literally it felt like in certain circumstances, and they got their butts handed to them. I can think most notably that West Virginia game in particular, the BYU Cougars just didn't look like they were ready to go in that game. I think they learned a tough lesson, but it's a necessary lesson that you have to be ready to go week in and week out. And that's that's going to benefit them against what is expected to be a fairly stout schedule. As you mentioned, Kansas State is expected to be one of the top teams. And then you also have the other three, Arizona, Oklahoma State, and Utah, who are all expected to be Big 12 contenders. So, yes, it is uh, it, on paper, it is much tougher for uh, BYU. But my thought, and I want to get your thought on this from Utah, is that, yes, it looks like it's a softer schedule for Utah, and the expectations have been heaped upon the Utes here that they make a run at the Big 12 title year one in the conference. My question for you, JT Wister, still, because the more I think about this, I've only got I, I, I've only got one concern about what Utah's got going on for them, and that is the concern that you are banking on Cam Rising being what Cam Rising has been almost two years removed from a knee injury. That, that I, I know that he is a seminal talent when he is 100%, but having not played in so long, I've got some concern as I continue to think about what Utah's got going on here, that he uh, that he could be rusty out of the gate, and that could cost Utah a game or two that they might need. I think it's a great point, and if Utah had to go like to Florida this year, like the first game of the season, I'd be really nervous. I think it's what's nice about it is, and you are absolutely right, I'm very curious to see the level Cam, and I can lump Brant Keithy into that sure, too because yeah. both those guys have not played football in a very long time. Brant even longer. Brant will basically be a month shy of two years of not playing a live college football game. Like That is crazy for a guy who was catching 600 yards with Tyler Huntley <laughs> a few years back. Like That's how long we've been doing this. Yeah. I think this is what's really nice for Utah is they start with Southern Utah. It should be a game where Cam should play Maybe he just plays the first half even. Maybe he has to do a little bit of the third quarter. We'll wait and see. You know, same thing with the Baylor game. Just this Utah team is so good at home. I, and the Bears are still kind of in a rough spot where I feel like that's another one too. And then going to Utah State once again. Like Utah, their first three games, I feel like it'll allow Cam to get his legs back under him. But you get thrown into the fire right away to your point. You have Oklahoma State and Arizona. And if you were to lose one or both, both of those games, it just means like, hey, you got to be perfect if you want to make, you know, and we've seen two lost teams make the Big 12 championship. So that's still there. But like, if you want to make the college football playoff, it puts even more pressure on Utah to win that game rather than like, no matter what happens, you're you're going to be in, which if they're a one loss conference champion, they should be a top 12 team, no matter what happens there. But it, it gets, it gets tough, Jake. It'll be interesting to see what Utah can do there if they do suffer two losses there, because there's not 
a lot of time when you start Big 12 play if those guys do show some early rust. Well, and that's the concern I, just looking at it is that you could fall behind mm-hmm. the eight ball real quick here. And I'm, yeah. I'm also, I've got a fear, and it may be unfounded because we don't know what it's going to hold, but the 12-team the playoff, uh, there's so, a lot of people out there saying that the Big 12, the Big 12 champion absolutely is guaranteed a spot. We know that. That's, that's locked in. It's going to be written into the, the contract of what the, the 5 plus 7 arrangement is going to have uh, with the new college football playoff rules. But the problem is, are the lion's share of those at-large bids going to go to the SEC and the Big 10 teams and is a maybe a two potentially maybe even a three loss Utah team even as maybe a runner up in the big 12 are they going to be passed over for maybe a 10 and two third or fourth place finisher in one of those other conferences because the the playoff it, we all know it they want TV ratings that and that that's nothing against Utah that's just a simple fact of the big 12 I think anybody who might be nine and three and a runner up in the big 12 very well could see themselves getting passed over in the playoff run and, and that that would be a tough pill to swallow it would be. And I mean, to your point, let's pretend this year Utah goes 10 and, or that would be 11 and one. They have one loss, but then they also, they're not the conference champion. Sure. And let's pretend like this year's LSU team was right. Like the Heisman winner would have been 13. Mm-hmm. Jaden Daniels just sitting on the outside losses to Florida State, Alabama, and Ole Miss. That would have been that would be a loud conversation for them to try to get in. I hope the committee would reward the team that the only reason they have the the second loss in that scenario was because they were in the Big Twelve championship game. But yeah. you are dead on when talking about that there could be a world where that's just not how it goes because of the strength of schedule the SEC advantage will have, and as well as just what we've seen from some of the committee committee things as well, where there is just, like you said, I think ratings is a big priority there. So that'll be an interesting standpoint for Utah for sure, Jake. Well, and that, that's the other thing about this. I'm not saying that it's going to be a cabal that is going to try and absolutely <laughs> uh, shut out the, the Big 12, but you give them an opportunity. I'm just saying oh, yeah. you get up to a slow start in Big 12 play for Utah. Let's say they do lose to Oklahoma State and Arizona, but then, as you mentioned, they kind of put a run on and they make the run to the Big 12 title game and they come up short in Arlington. So they're sitting at 9-3 and three going in uh, to Election Sunday when it comes to the new 12 team format. The, the, you put that in the hands of the committee when you have a 9 and 3 Big 12 runner up and maybe a 10 and 2 runner up for the ACC and 11 and 1 team that maybe misses out uh, in the SEC and the Big 10. Uh, I hate to say it, but those other teams and those other conferences yeah. are probably getting the benefit of the doubt and getting in over you. I think you're absolutely right. That's where Utah has to take care of business too. And obviously we talk about different things for Utah versus BYU, the expectations sure. this year, but this is where it's also tough with BYU going back to the schedule. Like I even overlooked the Kansas game originally well, as well. Like that's just another one. And then yeah. at SMU is another one where it's like, I just don't, I don't know how SMU is going to be this year. I know they were decent last year. That's not a layup either. That's where this, it's tough for the Cougars in a lot of ways, Jake. Yeah. Looking at BYU schedule, the, the goal for me this year, uh, just speaking from my perspective, hosting a BYU show is to get to six and six, make a one game yeah. improvement, get to the bowl season and show improvement. And the, the point I made earlier is that you need to show up weekly. Now, uh, BYU, they're the last two games of the season last year against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State were by far BYU's best overall efforts. They were losses. They obviously shut BYU out from going to the bowl season, but they needed to channel that same type of hunger, that same type of intensity that they channeled in those two games, knowing that their backs were against the wall. you got to have that every single game. I don't care if it's Southern Illinois on August 31st, or if it's Kansas, or if it's Oklahoma State, or if it's Utah. you got to have the same energy, the same passion, the same drive, the same motivation to push forward. That's the thing I think Kalani Sitake uh, and his program learned last year 
year is that, yes, during the independent era for BYU, they'd play a big opponent, maybe have a week or two off, and then play another big opponent. You could you could afford to, ha- to get up for that game, have a little bit of a letdown, still get by and get a W in most circumstances, and then get ramped up for that next game. That's not the case at this level of football, everybody. You've got to be ready to go every single week, because if you don't, the talent base alone for most of these programs, they will wipe the floor with you, and BYU learned that lesson last year. So yes, 6-6 six and six is a really kind of low bar, I think, in some people's minds with regards to BYU, but honestly, I, I think the BYU learned some hard but necessary lessons during 2023, and the goal this year is get yourself back to the postseason and start building from there. They put together one of their best recruiting classes in the past 15 years for BYU, so start to really capitalize on that. Get that young talent in there, let them start to really kind of take over this program as you age out the rest of your COVID seniors and the older guys, and then really turn your attention to the future. I think BYU's on a track, JT. This is just a, this is a big picture thing. That BYU, I have a lot of people ask me, when can BYU realistically challenge for Big 12 uh, title supremacy? I think it's a decade. I, I think it's a 10-year plan for BYU here, and that's the same kind of timeline that it took Utah to build up in the yes. Pac-12. So uh, you got to have some patience if you're a Cougar fan, but I think 6-6, six and six, maybe uh, maybe a 7-5 and five record this year, I think that would be a good record, especially considering the strength of schedule. Absolutely agree with all that, especially like you said, the Utah point is it's just the truth. I mean, literally, yes, they made a couple, but they didn't they could not get overcome. That was a huge question about Kyle Whittingham for a while. He finally put that to rest, but it was very daunting. And to your point, I mean, if it's six and six, I assume then you upset some teams and yeah. you probably lost them. You shouldn't, which is kind of like you said, right? We're in that position where BYU is in. So that's what'll be interesting with them. I know you said your goal with BYU is bowl eligible. I think most people have two goals for BYU this year. I think a lot of Cougar fans are bowl eligible, and then probably play spoiler to Utah or just get to beat well, Utah in subways. Sure. And that they, they here's the thing: <laughs> BYU's got a one and zero record versus Utah since snapping that nine game streak. The Cougars want to make it two and zero. It's a rivalry. It exists in everything. Oh. I work. You know. You know, you and I both worked in this market. I work in sports radio every single day. Guess what? One one of the key pillars of what we do in sports radio in Salt Lake City is literally every day BYU and Utah fans are gonna just go at each other on social media, and it doesn't matter what it's over. It just exists in all facets of life. So. Yes, BYU, if they could play spoiler to Utah and give them a loss that would uh, cripple Utah's chances of making a Big 12 title run, Cougar fans would love nothing more than to see that happen. Absolutely would. And you know what's fantastic, Jake? Us fans don't have to wait all the way till November till we can revive for Utah fans beating BYU for BYU fans beating Utah because EA Sports College Football is back and we can't wait to talk about what that means as we'll be able to play as Utah and BYU once again want to dive into all of the greatness that the return of EA Sports has brought with college football in one moment but first want to talk to all of you about our friends at Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And right now, all users get $100 off when they buy a big game ticket with code VEGAS100. There are so many great features about game time, whether it's last-minute tickets on flash deals, zone deals, just easy to find and buy tickets of every kind on the website and the app. You also get a view from your seat so you know exactly what kind of a deal you're getting. I also love the game time guarantee. It means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Right now, all Game Time users get $100 off a big game ticket with code VEGAS. That's, once again, just terms apply. Just download the Game Time app and use code VEJS100 for $100 off a big game ticket. Or if you're not going to the game, use code LOCKEDON, capital L-N-O, no spaces, for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. 
It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. Jake, it's finally returned. NCAA football is going to be back. The trailer dropped today. It was fantastic. I think it got both of our juices flowing. What are you most looking forward to about having EA college football officially back? Um, acting like I'm 17 again and playing. Uh, <laughs> well, it's now, I guess it's technically now EA college football. It used to be NCAA yes, football. Yes. Uh, it's a branding shift here. But uh, JT, here's the thing. This game was the key game in my growing up years. I played a lot of Madden. I played a lot of NBA uh, 2K, I played a lot of those different type of games, but the the one constant, the game that I bought every single year without a doubt until twenty the 2014 version was the last version that came out, was yeah. NCAA football. I owned it from 1997 through 2013. I bought literally every version of them. I wish I would have held on to all of them to have that collection uh, now, but nonetheless, it has been a key part of my childhood. And the other thing about this, JT, I was single and uh, hadn't even met my now wife when the last version of this game came out and for those of you who don't know i am now i've been nearly married for 10 years and i have three children that should show you how uh, much has changed in the time we have not had this game coming out but yeah i am i am ecstatic i am just overjoyed that this is actually a real thing i've got my uh, playstation 5 all ready to roll and as soon as that game drops whether i have to go wait out at midnight at a GameStop to pick it up or i can download it at midnight when it drops i will have it and i will be playing it the second it is available it's going to be fantastic. And you mentioned the life changes of, um, from that standpoint, just how long it's been, whether it's you being married to the family or it's me and having a lot of hair back then and now <laughs> I'm losing it. So it, it's a lot of changes over time for both sides. I can't wait to have it back as well. Loving the mascot mode, dynasty mode. There's so yeah. many just fantastic things I look forward to being able to play, uh, being able to, I don't have to wait once a year to watch Utah beat BYU. I can just beat Utah BYU every single day if I wanted to on dynasty or Jake, I don't know about you. I can't wait till someone like whoever wins the rivalry, the other person's going to do that thing where it's like they beat them 296 to nothing. And there's that heavy breathing. You remember that meme I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. You get your frustrations out by going and beating them up in, in the, in the virtual world. I get that. And that, that's the yeah. thing about that. That that's the great thing about this is I, I had an Xbox 360 that I had the NCAA 14 version for. I still have that NCAA 14 version. My Xbox 360 decided to give up the ghost uh, during the middle of the pandemic in 2020. And I haven't played NCAA football uh, regularly since then, but I was a guy who kept playing that version. I download new uh, rosters every single year and make the best of what I could do uh, with with the game. The fact that it's back, they're going to have a whole new uh, uh, gameplay system. Uh, they're going to have probably NIL and the transfer portal mixed in with the Dynasty version. Uh, there is so much that has changed in the college football universe they're going to have to inject into this game, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Now, the, the interesting part will be how do they handle the NIL stuff? Is it is it all uh, you have like a bag of money you're able to kind of dole out to your roster? <laughs> in game. I don't know how they're going to handle that, but it is it, I am I am geeked out just to finally play it and I, I'll tell you what, my my kids are coming into an age where video games are starting to become a yeah. thing for them. I am super excited to introduce them uh, to this and have it be a part of our relationship going forward. It'd be so awesome to just see everyone playing it together. Where yeah. It brings people together. It's going to be 
Fantastic. Jake, before we get out of here, I teased this at the beginning of the show that you had a take last year that you absolutely nailed. They recently announced the combine invites. You might know where I'm going with this. And I I don't know if we'll record again before the combine, if we'll do a crossover. So I just want to remind everyone what Jake did last year and give him a chance to make a combine prediction on this crossover. Last year on Blake Freeland, you said if you want a combine superstar who's going to go out there, in my mind, tear it up, regardless of the drills, that guy is Blake Freeland who could jump 10 feet. That's exactly what he did. It was the best among offensive line. He jumped 37 on the vertical jump. It was a record. It was incredible what he put together and did. Utah and BYU will both have guys in attendance at the Combine. Do you got to take for us this year? Uh, well, here's the thing. BYU is no stranger to having freak offensive linemen show up to the Combine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kingsley Suomati'ia may not have the same type of numbers that Blake Freeland had last year, but Kingsley's going to test extremely well. He is a nimble 330-pound giant of a man. Yes, he, li- he was listed at six foot four at the uh, Senior Bowl, which is obviously going to cause some NFL teams to question, is he a guard or is he a tackle at the NFL level? He's got adequate arm length for, for, for an offensive tackle. Just the overall height is the concern. The wingspan's not an issue. But here's the thing, Kingsley, uh, he's got the ability, he's going to run well. He may not jump as well as a guy like uh, Blake Freeland, but it's the second straight year that BYU is going to have an offensive tackle that is going to turn heads at the Combine. So uh, keep an eye on Kingsley. It wouldn't surprise me if he runs like a sub-5 minute 40 type deal. He's got that type of athleticism in him, and NFL teams are going to fall in love with those intangibles, the overall just skill set. Because he he hasn't necessarily had major uh, production at BYU over the past two years, but he's been a consistent, solid starter for them and we all know the NFL drafts on potential and he's got loads of that you heard here from the Peter Schrager of the <laughs> NFL Combine. <laughs> hey, I'm, I appreciate you got that. <laughs> I would I would love nothing more than to be known as the Peter Schrager of, of podcasting. I'm totally okay with that. Exactly. <laughs> Jake, always great doing this with you. Absolutely, JT. Anytime you need me, my man. That's going to do it for today's Locked On Utes and Locked On Cougars crossover. But we'll be back with you next week, breaking down all things Utah and BYU. We look forward to seeing you then. Awesome, Jake. Always a blast. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see your post about when you're playing it with your kids as well. That is something that's going to be cool. Just have all the things people post. I love all the things as well. People are like, "Don't ask me what I'm doing this summer. It's just EA college football. It's all that's happening." Yeah, well, that's true. Are Are you going to play it? You think? Are you going to? Do you have a game system? I I don't have one, but I'm I I have friends who do down here. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.